You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. I'm talking about today is in the New Testament. Philemon is nestled between Titus and Hebrews. So if you would find in your Bible the uh, book of Philemon, we'll progress from there. I would like to read the book first of all. I'll be reading from the New American Standard. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Apphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do that which is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, Onesimus, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. And I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me that in your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything that your goodness should not be, as it were, by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason parted from you for a while, that you should have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but now much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If you regard me a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, lest I should mention to you that you owe yourself to me, even your own self as well. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, since I know that you will do even more than what I say. And at the same time also, prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I shall be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's a short chapter, only 25 verses. So why would this be included in the canon of Scripture? What is so special about this? This is just a letter between two men about a runaway slave. That's what this is about. Let me give you a little context so that you can understand. But first, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I ask that your Holy Spirit be with the, uh, the speaker and with the listener, that we all could learn something more about Jesus Christ, about how to be like him. In your name we pray. 
Amen. I was glad during um, uh, Peter's introduction earlier that he kept mentioning reconciliation. Because that's exactly what this book is about. It's about reconciliation. Now, in the context here, this was written about AD 60 or 61. Paul would probably be about 60 years old at this time. Because he, he and Jesus were born around the same time, so they would be about the same age. I find it funny sometimes when they um, depict Paul or Saul um, in the book of Acts. I, some artists like to depict him as this kind of aged guy with gray hair and kind of balding. And that's not, that's not who he was at that time. He was a young man. He was in his early 30s when he was running around persecuting Christians. But now he's been at this for quite a while, for about 30 years. And he finds himself in prison in Rome. And that's where he is where he, when he writes this letter. He is in his first imprisonment. Now this doesn't mean he's down in some dark, dirty dungeon with water dripping from the ceiling and all that. This is more like a house arrest kind of thing. He is a Roman citizen. He's being treated accordingly. But they're not letting him go anywhere. So he's under arrest, he's in, he's in the house, and he's writing because he can't go places. He writes the so-called prison epistles around this time. That would be Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians as well. And Philemon can also be considered a prison epistle, although it's a little short thing. So he has a, a mission that he wants to accomplish here. He's come across a man named Onesimus. And who is Onesimus? Onesimus is a runaway slave that was owned by a man named Philemon. And though the scripture doesn't record exactly how they came across each other's paths, how Onesimus ran away from Philemon but somehow ended up ministering to Paul, we don't know the details of how that happened. But... The right thing to do here is for Onesimus to return to his master, Philemon. This book doesn't deal with slavery or the slavery system or any evils associated with it. Basically, what it's trying to do is trying to give two Christians the instructions as how what they should do to reconcile with one another. This book is about forgiveness. Okay, that's the general context of things. So Paul writes that he is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. That seems to be a more precious title to him. Because usually you see Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, in the, in the other books, right? But here he says Paul, a prisoner. That seems to be a much more intimate type of title for him. And he embraces that. Because he embraces the fact that being a prisoner is part and parcel of being an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he's not ashamed of that. He starts his letter. We tend to put our um, salutations at the end of the letter, right? Well, in, in, the, in the Greek style or the Hebrew style, they put their salutation at the beginning of the letter. So instead of ending it with Paul, an apostle, take it easy, everybody, you know, that kind of thing, they start out with this. So he's writing to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker. Now, Paul and Philemon have worked together. Philemon was saved under Paul's ministry. Uh, some scholars think it might have been at Colossae. Some even think uh, Philippi. 
But he was saved, Philemon was saved under Paul's ministry. So he is considered to be a fellow worker by Paul, a fellow worker for the gospel. Aphia, our sister, um, is believed by most scholars to be Philemon's wife. But Archippus is kind of split between some of the scholars. Some think that Archippus is his son, and some think that Archippus is the leader of the church that meets in their home. And the other group of people that this is written to is that church that meets in Philemon's house. So this letter is going out to a whole bunch of people. He's just greeting a few by name. But the letter was meant to be read in the church. And you'll find that that's kind of interesting because when he gets very personal with Philemon, you've got a picture in your mind this letter being read to a whole group of people and not just the man himself. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's Paul's continual wish for his listeners. So first of all, he's going to praise Philemon. He's going to say, I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. That's something that you, you and I should do as well. How encouraged are you when somebody walks up to you and says, I thank God for you and I'm praying for you? I think that's a very encouraging thing. I think that's something that, that we should adopt, that we can do ourselves to encourage one another. Pray for one another. The scripture constantly encourages us to do that. But thank God for people and pray for them. Because I hear the love and the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So Philemon is well known as a loving man, a man who cares for the saints, cares for his family. He loves, he loves his people. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. That is really a mouthful. <laughs> and it's a little difficult to interpret. But basically what he's saying is he's, he's thanking God for him. He is praising him for his love and for his faith. And he is praying that his ministry would be effective. The word fellowship here really means sharing of your faith. So he's saying, you know, Thank you, brother. I love you. You have a reputation for being a loving man, and I pray that God will make your ministry effective. And that's what he's doing. For I've come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Wow. That's a lot of praise. That's a very strong praise for a man. Okay, now he's going to make a plea to Philemon. Here it comes. Though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do that which is proper, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, notice that Paul does, is not shy about describing his circumstances when he's making his appeal. I am Paul, the aged, and a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He wants him to understand the circumstances he's in when he makes his appeal to him. So far, Paul has greeted him, his family, and the church that meets in his house. He sought to encourage Philemon through his thanks to God in his prayers. He knows Philemon's active faith and love and the experience of every good and faithful thing in him for Jesus' sake. 
and he relates the joy and comfort that his love brings to Paul and to the hearts of the saints. So all of this is just a setup for what, you're, what he's about to do. Paul has the authority as an apostle to simply order the man, to order Philemon to do what he wants. But he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. Paul is not shy about using his status and circumstances for the appeal, yet on another basis. Paul appeals based on, one, his love, two, his age, three, the fact he's a prisoner, and four, the fact that Onesimus is now a child of God. Look down in verse 10. I appeal to you for my child, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, Onesimus, who formerly was useless to you and now is useful both to you and me. Onesimus, as we noted before, is a runaway slave. It will be within Philemon's perfect right when he meets Philemon to have him put in irons and then executed because a master had the rights over his slave. A slave was not a person. A slave was property. And if that slave stole from you and was captured and brought back to you, you might give a reward to the person who brought him back and then take him out into a field and have him executed. He was well within his rights to do that. But Paul is appealing to him based upon the love that he has for all the saints that he would extend that love also to his runaway slave, Onesimus. Since Onesimus is a Christian, he began to minister to Paul in his captivity, and he found him to be very, very useful. Did you know that what the name Onesimus means? Onesimus is a word that means useful. That was his name. How'd you like to have that name for a name? Useful. Hey, useful, come here. Useful, useful, come here. I got something I want you to do. So he has sent useful back to him. Verse 12. And I've sent him back to you in person. That is sending my very heart. Paul is really doing everything he can to protect Onesimus. He's basically embraced Onesimus. It's as, if, it's as if he's sending back this runaway slave to his master. And Paul, though he's not physically there, with his words, is embracing him. You know, as if, as if he were to take negative or physical action against this slave, it would be as if he was taking that slave out of Paul's arms. Because Paul has come to love this slave that has even though he's run away from his master, has become very useful and very dear to Paul. Now, he could have just kept him there. I mean, Onesimus is off in Colossae. I mean, what's, what's he going to do, right? Because Paul's in Rome, Philemon is in Colossae, what's he going to do? He could have kept him. He could have kept him and just sent the letter. But no, the right thing to do was to send Onesimus back to Philemon with a letter, that they might be reconciled face to face. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Verse 13, I wish to keep him with me 
in your behalf that he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I didn't want to do anything. That your goodness should not be as it were by compulsion, but of your own free will. Now we don't know whether he actually sent him back or not. But he wants it to come from Philemon's heart. Not because, one, I'm an I'm a apostle and I can just order you to do this. Or that I'm just going to keep him and, you know, you can't do anything about it, but, you know, read my letter. But I want you to reconcile based upon your love that we've already noted. And I want it to be of your own free will. For this reason, or for perhaps, verse 15, he was for this reason parted from you for a while that you should have him back forever. Now here Paul is speculating on the sovereignty of God. He's saying, you know, it's probably God's sovereignty that allowed him to escape from you, to find me, and to become saved. So that when he goes back to you, though he was parted from you for a while, that you should have him back forever. Well, how can you have somebody back forever? You can have somebody back forever if they become a Christian too. So he's reminding him, I'm sending you back a changed man. I'm sending back a Christian. I'm sending back a brother. And that's exactly what he's saying in verse 16. No longer is a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Have you ever had somebody that you've known for a long time and you've witnessed to, and they just haven't come to the Lord, but eventually, finally, they come to the Lord. And how different it is, how wonderful it is that this person is now a Christian. I had that with a very dear friend of mine from high school. He was probably my best friend. And I would pray for him, and I would share the gospel, and he's like, you know, Hanky, you're always about this religious stuff, you know. He didn't really care much for it. And then years later, because he had some Jewish um, background in his family, he started going to a messianic, what's called a messianic Jewish church. And that's a church that, you know, they embrace their Jewish culture and heritage, but they believe in Jesus Christ. And the joy that I had, knowing that not only was my old friend my friend, but now he was a brother that I'm going to know forever, we tweet, he lives in Florida. We tweet each, or um, we message each other now and then. He messaged me at Thanksgiving and so forth. But that is such a dear thing, and that's exactly how Paul is sending Onesimus back to Philemon. I'm sending you not just that slave that you, that you loved, that slave that was so useful to you, but now he is your brother in Jesus Christ. And how much more precious is he now than what he was before? If you then regard me, verse 17, as a partner, accept him as you would me. And that's the basis of his appeal, is based upon your love for people, based upon my status as a prisoner, based upon my age, based upon the fact that he is now a Christian and a brother to you, I'm asking you to take him back as you would 
welcome me into your own home. Paul is really putting his heart on the line here. He truly is. Because again, you, you, you don't know until somebody actually takes their actions what they're really going to do. And he is wanting him to be reconciled to this runaway slave. But there's a matter of some uh, contemporary uh, importance that needs to be dealt with here. Usually when people escape, they take something with them because they need something to help them on their journey, on their, to help their escape. They might go to the kitchen and get a bag full of food. They might grab uh, money or whatever they need to take, right? Well, it is presumed that Philemon didn't just walk out the door in his birthday suit. He had to take some things with him. So he likely stole either food or money or clothing or supplies of some nature from his master as he went out the door. So Paul's going to deal with that too. Not only has he sent him back as if it was his own heart, Paul says, but if he... Onesimus, has wronged you, Philemon, in any way, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I'm willing to pay for anything that he may have stolen from you, taken from you, may have used. Charge it to me. I'll pay for it. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. Usually Paul would have what's called an amanuensis, somebody who would you know, like a secretary would be there writing for him. But he has picked up the pen and he is writing this in his own hand. Probably because he wants to make sure that somebody isn't just forging words or putting words in Paul's mouth. Paul wants Philemon to be sure that he knows this is really coming from me. This isn't, this isn't uh, Onesimus forging a letter to get back into the house. This is really from me. I, Paul, am writing this. I will repay it. <laughs> and then he sort of puts the, uh, puts the whammy on him here. He says, lest I should mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. So he's reminding him, you know, you were saved under my ministry. And, he, and Onesimus was saved under my ministry. But you owe me your own self. But I'll pay for it. I mean, you can almost <laughs> you can almost see the man, you know, kind of going, okay, because he he knows he's he knows he um, that Paul definitely has the upper hand here. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And so, this is weighing heavy on Paul's heart. He really desperately wants to see them reconciled back together, no violence involved, all the debts forgiven. And this is why I believe that this letter is in this book. Because it is a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for every single one of us. We're all thieves. We're all people who were supposed to worship God and serve God. And we steal from God all the time. We take from him. We take from his creation what he created and gave to us. And we gave nothing back. But when we were saved, 
when Jesus Christ died on the cross, like Paul, he said, charge all their sin to my account. Charge their sin to my account. So just like Jesus takes our debts upon himself, Paul is saying, put Onesimus' debts upon me and be reconciled to him. And it's a beautiful picture of that. And again, that's why I believe that this little letter is in here, because it's an exact, beautiful, parallel illustration of what Jesus does for us, does for the saved. And he has confidence in his obedience. You know, love believes all things. You've read that passage, right? Love believes all things, all things good. And so Paul, believing all good things in in Philemon says, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than what I say. You'll not only take him back, you'll welcome him back. It's sort of like the prodigal son. The prodigal son just wanted to go back and be a slave in his father's house, but he was welcomed with so much more beyond that. And he's hoping that Philemon will do the same for his runaway slave Onesimus. So in God's sovereign purposes, he escaped, met Paul, was saved, now being sent back, and he's being appealed, and Philemon is receiving this appeal to take back this thief, to take back this runaway slave, and treat him as a brother in Jesus Christ. And Paul's going to take care of anything that he might be owed. So to wrap things up, Paul is also asking him to prepare a lodging. For I hope that through your prayers I shall be given to you. Which is a subtle way of saying, I want you praying for my release so that I can come and visit you. Okay. <laughs> Here's another little, I'll, I'll call it an arm twist. Um, I'm going to come there and I'm going to see what's, what's up, what you've done with this situation when I get released, and I want you praying for that release. And then he concludes with a number of greetings. Epaphras, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. A lot of people know about this situation and know that Paul is sending this letter. And then it's going to be read to the church that's in the house of the man he's appealing to. You know what? If I was Philemon, I would feel pretty much obligated to receive the man back as a brother in Christ and to forgive him. And what would you need to do that? What does a Christian need in order to forgive others? The Christian needs the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with your spirit. And that's exactly how he concludes the letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, is there somebody in your life that you're finding hard to reconcile with? That you're finding it hard to forgive? This is what you do. You ask God for grace for your spirit that you can forgive them. That you can let go of whatever that offense, whatever they have done to you. Now, they might not respond. They might not They might not care. They might not want to be reconciled, but you can take care of your side of the street. 
you can, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men, as the scripture says. And I hope that you can return to this book and see the example that Paul sets by saying how dear this person is. Perhaps you can be used to reconcile to other people. Perhaps you can follow the same thing and say, this is a very dear brother in Christ. And I want to see the two of you reconciled. I want to see the two of you back in the good graces of one another so that we can be an example of Christ, of Christ's love and forgiveness. Martin Luther said something that I think encapsulates all of this. He said, we are all God's Onesimus. And Jesus Christ has taken us in. And I hope he's taken every single person in this room and forgiven them for their sins. I hope every person here has repented and sought after the forgiveness of God. And maybe let us follow this example with others, with ourselves. Be peacemakers. Love God and love one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given us the example of Paul and how he deals with this situation. Though we don't know exactly how it worked out, we know that we understand very clearly the intent of Paul in reconciling this man, Onesimus, to his master, Philemon, all as brothers in Christ and fellow workers. We ask that you help us with your grace, that our spirit might know your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.